Good afternoon, everybody. It is another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. Thanks for coming by. We're going to spend a couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in what you've come to expect, energetic and entertaining conversation on news and politics, business, economics, sports, recreation. We've got some cool community events we're going to talk about. It's going to be fun. we got a lot of people coming in to the studio today, and we're going to have a good time. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio. He's here to keep you up to date on the latest news and weather and everything that's going on in the broader world while we're cuddled up next to the radio. Thanks for spending your precious time with us today, whether that is on your precious little radio or streamed live on KSO.com. Don't forget the KSO mobile app. Uh, if you go on the mobile app, you, first of all, it's it's one button live play, okay? So you're out there walking around with your phone, and you're like, gosh, I sure would like to listen to some energetic and entertaining conversation about news and politics and other things happening here in my community. This KSO mobile app has a button on it where I can pull up the Patrick Lally Show with one simple touch. Also, you can read uh, the various news stories, posts from the staff here at Results Radio, primarily KSOO. And also, you can sign up for the push alerts there where you can get a a notice when we post something new and bad weather or what have you. Uh, Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live where there is a community, a conversation going on as we speak, or our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. We like to hear from you. We, this is, can be a, this is a participatory activity here, folks. So follow along and join in. Uh, Dan, I had a uh, I, I I'm not. Let me. I don't know how to say this. I am not necessarily a handyman, Dan. You know what I'm saying. I am not the guy that likes to putter in the garage and fix everything. You don't have a rack of tools that you say, okay, I know I'm, I'm going to get the, the circular saw and I'm going to go do this. I do not own a circular saw. No, I have some tools. I have tools for, well, you know, I got bike tools. I, I have an extensive collection of bike tools, but not like, but, but here's the problem, okay? So we've been struggling with this dishwasher problem, right? And it's been going on for a while and, you know, like, the glasses weren't getting really clean, you know, and so you try different things and there was, but then there's like little particles of food. It just wasn't good. Like there's something wrong. And then it just started not like running. So this is a serious problem, right? I mean, nobody wants to actually wash dishes anymore. That's horrible, horrible duty. What? Do you, do you still do that, Dan? I still do. Yeah. Oh. Especially with the, the dishes that are too big yeah, that's to be true. in the dishwasher. I'll, I'll wash those. But you have a dishwasher. Yeah, we do have a dishwasher. I was once a professional dishwasher, so I have some aversion to it. <laughs> well, of course, I grew up in a dairy farm. That's true. So we had we had to have the bucket uh, to wash off the... Uh, you had to wash a lot of things. Like I did, yes. Unmentionables. Uh, so, you know, we want to get this thing working again. So I had a guy come and look at it, and you know, all the electronics are fine. But he said, I don't think it's draining properly, you know, so there's still water in there churning around when it's trying to rinse. And so we cleaned out some hose and snake and blah, 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 blah. And it got better. Then it started taking a turn again. Uh, cleaned out some more stuff, and it did get a little better, but it just didn't get back to what you would expect from a high-quality German-engineered dishwasher that's not that old. You know what I'm saying? At least it did not have rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> no, it did not have that. Uh, so it came down to this. Call the guy again and see if he can fix it and spend more money on that guy or just bite the bullet and buy a new one, you know, and I'm looking at them. I should be able to fix this, right? I am not a helpless human being. I should be able to fix this. I, there's only a couple things. It's, you know, dishwashers are not that complicated, especially this. It's just not draining. It's either got to be the pump or the filter or the hoses are clogged up, you know, and, so I'm like, all right, all right, I'm going to do this. I did my research. I isolated the potential problems. You know, I got it down to what it could be, what the parts might be, started digging in, made some calls. So then you come down to it. All right, I got to pull this thing out, <laughs> you know, and 
you tend to think of the dishwasher as just a part of the cabinetry, but you know, it, it comes out pretty easy. A couple screws and you, you know, so that that's going okay. But you know what happens when you start dealing with plumbing, right? Water. Oh, (laughs) shut off the valve! Shut off the valve! I did shut off the valve, but there's a lot of water stored in a dishwasher, apparently. Uh, And, you know, it comes out, sometimes unexpectedly. So it got pretty messy pretty fast. Anyway, a couple days, I started over the weekend. A couple days later, uh, more than a few nicks and cuts last night on my hands, and I got it all back together. New drain hose, new filter I found over at uh, Day Appliance. Give them a shout out to Day Appliance over there. They're they're the only people that have these things. New drain pump, push the button, hold your breath. It works. The water didn't spray around. There weren't any weird noises. The thing worked. But I was not comfortable enough to just let it run without watching it, you know. <laughs> so I'm laying on the ground with my flashlight, like looking underneath it, looking for drips and everything. But apparently it's holding together. I can't believe it either. But here's the lesson. I knew you were wondering, what's the point of this story, Uncle Pat? Where are we going here? You can find anything on YouTube. Anything. What do you want to fix? Anything. Somebody has taken the time to walk you through fixing, you know, replacing the drain pump on a uh, 2013 Bosch Ascenta dishwasher model 6298 4291. And there you go. There's Sven <laughs> somewhere somewhere in northern Europe and he's got one just like yours and he's like, "Okay, next we pry off the lid here. Pop pop. And then you see the panel. This panel pop off very easily." It was amazing. So you can do anything if you've got a YouTube. If you got an internet connection and you have a YouTube. It's amazing. I, I have done the same with a toilet valve. Yes. Toilets. That's my next. I got some, I got some bulky toilets I got to take care of. I mean, I've had to fix a lot of machines over the years. You, cars and, you know, all kinds of different household things. But I always stayed away from the major appliances for just this reason. I wasn't quite sure what was going on in there sometimes. And usually when something goes wrong, like when your refrigerator goes bad, you know, like when the compressor goes out, you're done. Just throw it away. It's just a big metal box at that point. Make it into bookshelves, whatever. But uh, I got I got through this. I could have saved myself a lot of time, though, and anguish and money and blood if I'd have had YouTube, you know, 20 years ago. That would have been awesome. Need to put a new rear end in a 1983 Chevy Blazer? Well, here we go. <laughs> Anyway, we have a dishwasher again. That's... Here it comes. We're all very excited. Yes, yes, you are. The glory of the dishwasher. Courtesy of Mannheim Steamroller. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Clean dishes at last. Look at the glasses. Look at the glinting silverware. Witness the clean plates. You also, also get into your Robin Leach role. <laughs> For the lifestyles of the rich and famous, because now they have a clean dishwasher. Oh, thank the Lord above. We have a dishwasher. Or like Monty Python and the holy hand grenade. <laughs> oh, the holy dishwasher. It rinses not once, not twice, but, but thrice. thrice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, we've got a great fo- show for you today. Our guests are City Councilor Michelle Erpenbach. She'll be with us in the second hour. Michelle's getting to the end of her second term, which means she cannot run for her seat again. So we're going to talk to her. We're going to look back and we're going to look forward. The common man will be with us for Weird Friends, and uh, he's got some thoughts on the Super Bowl and uh, sort of the Midwestern experience. We'll preview a murder. Yes, murder. You heard me right. Murder event coming up on Friday. With uh, Paige Carta of, uh, I think it's Sarda. It is Sarda. Sarda. I always mess that up. Paige Sarda of Reach Literary Center. Paige will be in the studio. Uh, they got a cool thing where um, they've got an officer, a detective coming in to talk about some of the historic 
murder investigations that he's been involved with. And it's a, it's a fundraiser, but it's going to be it's going to be kind of cool, I think. But Paige will be here to tell us about that. John Mayer, he is co-founder of the local multimedia firm in Lemonly, but he's also one of the organizers of One Million Cups in Sioux Falls, and he's going to tell us about a big reboot that they're doing tomorrow morning at the Orpheum. They're moving. They're they're getting bigger, so that'll be fun. And I will have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic, oh, it's that crazy legislature, those nutty kids in peer. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. And we get a little closer to free today at 322 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. It's time for the PNL statement. Let's get right into it. There are two uh, developments here in your South Dakota legislature that I found, oh, I don't know, let's just call them curious. Curious. Uh, the first is there's a bill out there, and who knows where this stuff's going to go, but there's a bill that's been dropped by, uh, I think they're mostly... I don't, I don't know. I was going to say West Rivers, but I can't. I think a lot of West River folks on this bad boy. Anyway, I saw this on Dakota Free Press, our friend uh, uh, Corey Heidelberger's blog yesterday. And uh, I seen it. I have now seen it shared a couple times on your social medias. So there's this bill. And what it does is raise the age kids must attend kindergarten to seven. So you don't have to send your kid to kindergarten until they're seven. This bad boy was uh, sent down from Dan Kaiser, Tom Bruner, Isaac Lateral, Phil Jensen, Jeff Moreau, and Jenna Netherton. Uh, it's uh, House Bill 1256, if you want to look it up. So I there just doesn't seem to be any reason for this. All right, so now it's five. It would increase the age to seven by which you have to send your child to school or homeschool. It also says every child has to attend kindergarten before at age nine. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why you would do this. It seems stupid. Kids need to start school earlier, not later. We know that kids who aren't at reading level by grade three statistically are less likely to graduate, be successful. What good can it do to start a kid in kindergarten at age seven? I can't think of anything. Unless you want you know, your kid to be, you know, 19 years old, 20 years old when they graduate from high school so they can play sports until they're, you know, when they're bigger. I don't know. It just seems bizarre to me. So it must have some anti-government school. You know, schools are horrible places, right? All that socialization. But the one I really want to talk about is, uh, this is a story from the AP. This happened yesterday, I believe. South Dakota lawmakers have rejected a government transparency bill that would have made officials' correspondence open for public review in some cases. This is email, okay? Uh, The House State Affairs Committee voted 10-2 to Monday to kill the open records measure, which Governor Dennis Dugard's office also opposed. It would have removed correspondence from a list of government records that officials keep secret from the public. Secret! The change would have opened access to correspondence such as emails, some emails, but kept closed communications to officials from constituents who expect that they're confidential, which is boulder dash anyway. Nobody expects confidentiality. Here's the deal. The secrecy continues in peer, ladies and gentlemen. Despite all the conversation about transparency in government that we've had locally and at the state level, scandals left to fester in the darkness a public uprising that led to a voter-approved good government measure that was subsequently gutted by lawmakers. Despite all that, they still don't have any inkling. No inkling. There's no inkling in peer that electronic communication in our name must be open. There is simply no good reason for protecting public communication in this way. There is no expectation of privacy when communicating with an elected representative. None. Zero. None. Zero. Zippola. Zippity-doo-dah. None. 
Confidentiality is for the police, your lawyer, your doctor, your therapist, not your legislator. It, this is just cover for the continued paternalism of the South Dakota legislature and state government in general. The idea that you don't need to know that they know what's best for us. Balderdash. Opening the records of government, the actions of government, is essential to restoring faith in government. What the House State, Affa- State Affairs Committee is saying, that it's okay. It's okay for elected representatives to run government in secret. That's it. That's the list. Plain and simple. Government emails are open record in most states in this country. What do you think? How do you think we learned about uh, uh, Chris Christie's Bridgegate? Huh? There's no right to privacy for legislators or county commissioners or mayors when using public email. If you want to talk to your kids about where they're going after school or who they're hanging out with after the game, if you want to talk to your spouse about dinner plans, get a Gmail account. They're free. You want to keep it secret? Don't use .gov. The greatest weapon against corruption anywhere, but this is particularly true in South Dakota where the dark corners are many, the hiding places are everywhere, protected, protected by the long arm of peer. The greatest weapon against all of that is the light of day. Sunshine, baby, sunshine. Open the emails. That's the bottom line on the PL statement for today. You can disagree with me. That's okay. That's all right. Send me an email, patrick at kso.com. You can also follow along on our Facebook feed and chat there. Go to the, uh, the Twitter machine. Uber producer Dan Peters is busily monitoring the Twitter machines, all the tubes and such, and uh, we'll have that conversation. Coming up after the news and weather with said Mr. Peters, we've got the common man in for weird friends. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring onto the phone lines from somewhere in Central Sioux Falls. My weird friend, the common man, Slancha Common. <laughs> Patrick, Slancha back, back at you. Is that how you're supposed to say it? God, I've been saying it wrong all these years. What have you been saying? Uh, you know, I don't even want to say it now. I'll be embarrassed. Slaint. <laughs> Slainty. Slainty. Slainty, dude. Gosh, well, now I better get that ship ship. Well, I, I did tell you I was going to the, I was going to the Emerald Isle, didn't I not? No. In ju- in July, I will be visiting. Yes. You did not tell me that. How did you keep that a secret from me all day on Sunday? Well, I was kind of waiting for the passport papers to get approved first. Ah, uh, you got to do that. I, I mean, there's know, no locks there. You know, you've had the genetic testing done. You you can verify your lineage. They should just let you right in. <sighs> you'd, you'd think they just I would walk through the door. <laughs> <laughs> they would say, my my favorite son of the diaspora, come to me. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, hey, uh, you know, I had a great time on Sunday. I was mentioning that yesterday uh, on the big show. Had uh, Scott Hudson on. And I mentioned uh, yesterday coming in that three-fifths of the weird friends were in my Super Bowl group, which was awesome. And you were one of them. Yeah, oh, it was a good. It was like a writers' meeting. I thought it was great. <laughs> and, and, and the only trouble is, is you know, half the comments and well, eighty percent of the comments were stuff we couldn't use on the air. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was like, I want to tape this. <laughs> Need a podcast, and then yeah, and then redact it <laughs> and use it. But if we had a if we had an unaffiliated podcast, <laughs> could maybe. Uh, have like real language. Oh, that's that's what Hudson does. Scott Hudson's got all those podcasts. You know, he's got the Big Brother podcast. He's got the music podcast. He's got the day drinking podcast. We just need the writing and swearing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know, and I love 
but maybe I'm just so backwards, but I said, if anybody can prove that they've actually listened to one, <laughs> I'll, I'll do one if someone promises to listen, besides, you know, if my mother was still alive. Yeah, and then she right. wouldn't want to listen to it, so. Well, no, I've listened. I, I You know, I'm a podcast guy, so. There you well, go. that's good. I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm, I'm glad that's a real thing. It, I, it is like, a real thinking, thing. Eh, people, you know, more people are used to movies now, video, things yeah. that happen. Well, you know, Hudson, he has one of the most popular whatever podcasts in the country, that Big Brother thing. Well. It's huge. Huge. Isn't that so something? We're just in the, in the uh, uh, within greatness there in terms of podcasting. But what did you think about the, uh, in the end, upon reflection, uh, what did you think of the, the, the whole experience up there in Minneapolis? You know, I really enjoyed it, but it, I, it, it showed the fangs that are behind Minnesota nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, because you get there uh, during the course of the, the two weeks, you know, the, the East Coasters and the people from, you know, the South, and so they come through and say, you know, God, it's cold here, you know, and, and people from New York complaining that it's cold in Sioux Falls or Boston or yeah. Philadelphia. Well, it's 10 degrees colder, yeah. you know. Buck up. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> Put another T-shirt on. <laughs> so, but but when they would do that, the the visceral reaction either on Twitter or other people say it was just people just getting fierce and it's like you thought these poor people were gonna get hit in the head with a casserole pan. <laughs> it's like my goodness, how that's that's how you make Minnesotans mad. You you cannot say anything about the Midwest in for an awful long time. And I was as I was sorting through it, I said, you know, Maybe it's kind of an inferiority complex. We get to say, "Oh, we're not, we're not the East Coast. We're not the West Coast. Oh, we're not warm." Mm-hmm. You know, we get all these. Pro- you know, we think we're worse, but you know what it is? It isn't that. I figured out what it is. Hmm. It's just bad manners, is what it is. <laughs> and that's what makes people from the Midwest. You, if you want to get a Midwesterner fired up more than anything in the world, just yeah. show bad manners. Just bad manners. Don't if pick you, up after yourself. You go to somebody else's house and say, you know, that bed was pretty lumpy last night, and the food, <laughs> dinner stunk. You're going to get backhanded. That's and it. you're going to say, you know, Mrs. Johnson spent an awful long time making that dinner for you, mister. <laughs> That's right. You get you out of enjoy here. Enjoy it. You go on your way. You can find better. You're, you're more than welcome to hit the bricks there, pal. <laughs> That's probably it. That's probably it. Hey, did you see this guy? He's a uh, uh, he is a uh, uh, weatherman up there in the Twin Cities, mm. and he, you know, because they, remember when the they showed the the downtown from the above on the, the, the from the blimp, and it had had Prince's logo on there, and it was all purple. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you know this or not, common man, but that wasn't real. You're gonna wreck it for me now, aren't you? <laughs> They did not, in fact, turn the entire downtown of Minneapolis, Minnesota, into a big purple symbol. Wait. Next you're going to tell me the end of Willy Wonka. They don't fly away in a <laughs> glass elevator. <laughs> well, that I cannot verify. But this guy was, you know, and so he's a weatherman. He, he's like, I'm looking out over downtown right now, and I got to tell you people, it's not purple. And that's, this guy got... Just like you said, oh, you're going to ruin it for me. He got eviscerated on Twitter, and they, he had to take down his account. <laughs> what is this, fake news? Yeah, that's right. It was fake news. Oh, my God. People are like, oh, next you're going to tell me there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> yeah, where did this dollar under my pillow come from, then, mister? <laughs> there was a tooth there last night. Yeah, so that oh, that's guy. Too, that's too bad. Well, you know, what can you believe? You know, in, in the age of the CGI, right? I mean, it, it, you know, I, it just it makes this call kind of sour. But I you think know, you're the funny part, though, is watching Kevin Hart yeah. get, get snuffed at the at the podium. That was awesome. Apparently, he didn't see that you, uh, the little sign that says you had to be at least this tall <laughs> to be at the Super Bowl podium. <laughs> oh my God! But don't I mean the best part is 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 it was great to watch someone get leveled in their feelings of importance in front of God and everybody. And yeah. if you, I don't know, Patrick, you've been more out there in the, 
in the uh, world of uh, renowned more than I have. Yeah. Have you ever had a good opportunity to be just put right back in your place when you thought you might have been a kind of a big deal? Um, pretty much every day. <laughs> pretty much something like that would happen pretty much every day, including hey, today. <laughs> I, well, I should know. Do you know who I am? Yeah, I do, and that's why you're not getting in. I only said that once in my whole life, and it was it was legit. So I'm not I'm not going to back down from that. <laughs> do you know who I am? <laughs> you regret saying it just as it's coming out of your mouth. It's, yeah, because at the end of that, you know, you know the look if, you're going to get, and that's just that's just going to be painful from the get go. But you better but, be president. If you're going to say that. <laughs> yeah, with Secret Service, we'll want yeah, with that's right. Because that's the hub. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's that, that probably, as far as being a Midwesterner, watching some, you know, you know well, I don't know if he's A-list, but he's B-list, yeah. B-plus list, just get faced, <laughs> walking up the podium there. That was that was really worth the price of admission <laughs> right there. That was pretty good. Hey, uh, do you got a nice short joke for me? Well, one short joke. Yep. Like, uh, well, it's, is it short? Okay. Um, it can be. Um Magician's on a on a cruise ship, and he's uh, doing his act. And there's another act with a parrot that mm-hmm. watches him. Pretty soon, the parrot gets the whole act out. And as during this guy's act, the parrot goes, "It's up his sleeve." The assistant has it. The guy falls through the trap door. Just annoys the crap out of mm-hmm. the poor magician. Finally, the ship hits an iceberg. Goes down, and this, everybody's dead. The guy climbs up on a door, and there's the parrot. They stare at each other just mad for three days. And finally, at the third day, the parrot goes, Okay, I give. What'd you do with the boat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny. The common man, ladies and gentlemen. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Coming up next, we're going to chat with Paige Sarda. She's with Reach Literacy Council. I think I got that right. Reach Literally Count- Literacy Center, I think. Anyway, we're going to talk about murder. How's that sound? This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And it is 349 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And uh, we didn't get to hear much of it, but that's Nick Lowe when I write the book. Whenever you're on, I play Nick Lowe when I write the book. It's uh, we've got in studio with us Paige Sarda, who is uh, the director, executive director, yes, direct executive director of Reach Literary uh, uh, Center, which is now in the Western Mall, right? Yes, yep, you're all moved in and everything. We are, we just got our sign put up today, it looks great. And uh, quickly tell people what your mission is again, if they don't Uh, know. Yeah, our mission at Reach is we teach adults how to read, Um, we really work on reading, writing, and we want to improve life skills. We've been doing that for about 31 years, and it used to be called. Something else. Sioux Falls Area Literacy yeah. Council. So now it's Reach Literary Center. Literacy Center. And it's on the it's on the on the, the south side of the Western Mall. Yes. So we face outwards. We don't face inwards with all those mall walkers. So nah. we face outwards. You don't want that. You want to face out. You want to face outwards. That's you want right. you want people to be able to see you. Exactly. So you have the reason you're here, uh, other than the fact that you have uh, you do fine work is you have this really cool event coming up on Friday. Tell right. people about it. Right. Well, I don't know if anybody else is a murderino out there, but... A mur- say that again? <laughs> it's a murderino. Murderino. Right. Is that somebody who has a, an affinity for murder stories? Well, I started listening to this podcast called My Favorite Murder uh, a couple of years ago. I just, I got in when it first started, and a couple of ladies, one of the ladies writes for Ellen, and they just, it's a lot of, like, lady talk kind of banter, but then they talk about true crime, and they talk about <laughs> murder, and it became sort of... This people that would follow them, and they called themselves murderinos, and they had meetups. And we've been there's a group in Sioux Falls. There's a Sioux Falls group of murderinos, and we've You're been kidding. trying. No, I'm not kidding. Of course not. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. So I thought we've been trying for about a year to get a meetup put together, and now that we actually have this new space, I thought wouldn't it be kind of cool to have an actual a meetup there? You know, to be able to show off our space as well. And then kind of have a murderino meetup. Yeah, and it just so happens that you know somebody who I do. has I do some know knowledge in this area. Right. You better tell people who your guest is. Who's right. your featured guest? Our featured guest, my husband's a detective in the police department here. He's been in the uh, police department for 28 years mm-hmm. and a detective for seven and seen his fair share of crime. And he, he's, do we just call him Mr. Sarda? Or call him Detective Sarda. Detective Sarda, there you go. Um, so he's going to just talk about... 
Well, we really we will work on it tonight too, but we really are <laughs> we're really narrowing it down to two kind of two cases. Um, and if you listen to the podcast at all, one of the things they talk about a lot is stay sexy and don't get murdered. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a case where a lady stayed sexy and didn't get murdered. And, ah, and thwarted the murder. Really, pretty much did, and really is some great um, police work that saved her life. But really, she did some really incredible things that saved her own life. In in the Sioux Falls. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And John was part of that, and as most of the detectives are in Sioux Falls, and then also another one where. Um, a single sperm basically took down a guy. You're kidding me. Mm-mm. So that in the work, they found it and they convicted him. Yep, yep. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. Um, we'll play a few games, you know, kind of like dead or alive. You know, who's who's dead, who's alive? Do you know your serial killers? We'll do that. So you have a whole theme. We do, you do. And, and there'll then... Be, will there be uh, uh, snacks and beverages and that sort of thing? No, no, there'll be snacks and beverages, but not like murder-themed at this point. Oh, we, okay. we don't want to go too <laughs> far. Maybe at Halloween we'll do that, but... Um, so then, then the other thing we'll do is um, one of the things they always do on the podcast is your favorite hometown murder. So if you had, um, and we're not trying to make light of it, you no. know, because it, it's clearly an issue. But I think the other thing is that people are really fascinated by crime in general. True crime. Kind of the process. Yep. Um, I think the other thing people are really fascinated about is um, how, do, how do people make that leap? You know, like, and you know what psychologically? What, yeah, and I think that's probably the most. I mean, if you've watched Mindhunter on Netflix or any of that other stuff, I think that's the thing for a lot of people is just wanting to understand that and kind of how to protect themselves. So there's always that, just like why you watch horror films. There's always that fascination. Yeah, and true crime that. has always been uh, popular, for lack right. of a better term, uh, through the course of civilization. You know, you've got Jack the Ripper and all these incredible stories yep. throughout time. Yep. And I think the thing that people always think is not in Sioux Falls and and really the crime that happens everywhere else happens here too. Yep, it does. So. And uh, not everything is fascinating, but it is um, a fascinating thing. And, you know, you're talking about prevention at right. some measure. Right. So I think that's a lot of, I think that's the other part too is, and that's one of the things, um, like on the podcast, they talk a lot, you know, about, you know, don't ever leave your garage door open. Make sure your garage door yeah. shut. Pull your car in. Shut your garage door. Then get out of your car. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's just they, they do a lot of funny little quips. You know, you're in a cult. You know, those kind of things. Yeah, that's wild. So this is Friday night. It's Friday. What night. time? Seven to nine. Seven to nine at the Reach uh, Literary Center. Yes. Which is in the Western Mall. Right. It's uh, there's a there's a charge again because it's a fundraiser. It's five dollars. Really, you can afford it. Yep. Totally can come and basically we're just covering our snack cost. You know, yep. so if we're going to give you Cheetos or whatever, we want to cover our snack cost. But we want you to come. We'd love it if you pre-register so we can greet you by name. But And where do I do that? Um, you can go to our web our webpage at reachliteracy.org or our Facebook page. There's a link to send you to Eventbrite, and you can buy tickets. But we'll take it at the door, too. Right on. And uh, Friday night, 7 to 9, yep. hanging out with uh, John and Paige Sarda. That's right. Talking about crime. Bring your hometown murder. That'll There you go. Stories from the real-life stories from... Uh, the area around us, or, you know, wherever you're from, right? Right. doesn't mean yeah. you're just because you're not from Sioux Falls. There's a lot. I mean, it's been kind of interesting on the the Facebook page for the murderinos. There's a ton of people who are like, oh, I live in this house where this murder happened, or my neighbor, yeah. my neighbor Moves. was. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So I think that people are always kind of fascinated by that. Paige Sarda, she's executive director of Reach Literary Center here in Sioux Falls in the Western Mall. Paige, thanks for coming in and <laughs> filling us in. You're welcome. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with guitar! 358 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up in the second hour, we got John Mayer with One Million Cups Sioux Falls and Michelle Erpenbach, City Councilor. Stay tuned after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm very happy to have on the phone with me today, John Mayer. He is, you may know him as co-founder and CEO of the local multimedia firm Lemon Lee. But he's also one of the organizers of One Million Cups in Sioux Falls. Uh, John, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So uh, One Million Cups, I've, I've been a few times. I haven't been for a little while now because 
sure. I, I got a job. But um, the uh, uh, tell people what one million cups is. Yeah, sure. So one million cups is I like to describe it as um, networking disguised as as pitches, right? So no one wants to go to another networking event, but. Instead, we say, hey, every week you're going to hear from an entrepreneur. You're going to hear a speaker talk about how they started their company, how they got their idea, how they grew their business. Um, they get six minutes to talk, to give this presentation. So it's quick and snappy. They tell their origin story. And then the crowd that gets 20 minutes to ask questions. So really kind of dig in and learn more about why and how. Um, and so we do that every Wednesday morning. It's about a you know 30 to 40-minute event. So it's nice and quick. Um, and we're actually like a local chapter as part of the larger One Million Cups, which has sprung from the Kauffman Foundation, which is an organization out of Kansas City supporting entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So there's probably oh, a couple hundred in the in the country now, and we've been doing it for Su- in Sioux Falls coming up on four years. Yeah, and it's it's really fun to go because not only do you usually learn something that you didn't know or meet somebody mm-hmm. you didn't know, but you just you see a lot of people that you you know, haven't seen for a while or may only have a passing acquaintance with whatever. And it's, you know, it's just fun to get together and, and, uh, and see people. Um, yeah, exactly. I always like to compare it to like, you know, my grandpa would have his coffee group on main, on main street, yeah. Tyndall, South Dakota and have his weekly group where they get together and solve the world's problems. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that you see some familiar faces, some free coffee, and like you said, learn a thing or two. Yeah, and people make connections, like real, solid, actual business and uh, and networking connections, which is always nice. Um, yeah, we've had people uh, start businesses together. We've had people connect and write a book together. We've got people hired on the spot. Uh, so yeah, we've made some real value. So you've been doing it for four years now. You were one of the organizers, right? You were the one of the founders, essentially. Yeah, there was a group of about four of us that brought it. Uh, we started a couple weeks at Queen City, and then we went to the Design Center, and now the last couple of years we've been at uh, Prairie Berry East Bank. But yeah, I helped bring it to Sioux Falls. And tomorrow is uh, a big, uh, are you calling it a reboot? Did I read that somewhere? Uh, I think we called it a relaunch, relaunch or something like that. We yeah. took a week off just to kind of, it, it, the main thing is uh, uh, we're just, we're, we're ready to kind of take it up to a new level in terms of production, in terms of size. So yeah, we'll be moving tomorrow morning to the Orpheum where we, we, you know, we really would max out at 80, 90 at Prairie Berry. And we right. think we can have a couple hundred possibly. Yeah. So the Orpheum holds, you know, 600 people or whatever, but it's yeah. a small enough place where it's still going to be kind of cozy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think tomorrow we're going to have over 200, I expect. You never know with the Facebook invites, how many people are, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. interested versus going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it gives us a place to grow, especially when we have a big speaker, which tomorrow we have, we have one of the best South Dakota entrepreneurs ever, um, yeah. Al Kurtenbach, who's the founder of Detronics. And his, he's got a good story because he, uh, as you say, he's one of the best entrepreneurs ever. I mean, he basically, they started that as a uh, uh, what were they, is he an instructor or a professor, what have you, up at uh, SDSU, right? Yeah, yeah, and like the classic, like quintessential in the garage, making some scoreboards, an uh, engineering professor, and Al, and they just kept working away, and then, you know, they were in the Olympics, and I think they have the Super Bowl scoreboard just from, from, the, last, from the Super Bowl on Sunday in Minneapolis, Yeah, um, it, all over the world. Any major sporting event. They're there. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And uh, they, their boards are everywhere. So um, people can just, how's this work if I want to come? I've never been. Yeah, you bet. So uh, doors open at 830, meaning at 830 you can show up and get a free coffee and, and just hang out and start talking to people, meet some meet some new faces. We'll kind of usher folks into the theater at 9, and shortly after 9.05 we'll, we'll, we'll start the show. And I, I think what I like about it is the whole thing happens in, like I said, 40 minutes. So we'll have you out before 10. Uh, no, no price of admission. Just, just walk right in. Uh, usually have a sponsor. Somebody helps you, uh, cut the price of the, uh, yeah, you're right. Yep. Who's, who's your sponsor up a little bit. So instead of a monthly coffee sponsor, we had to go get someone each month. We asked a few folks to make more of an annual contribution. And so if six organizations, um, First National Bank, Sioux Falls, Midco, Market Beat, Math Company, Lemon Lee, my company, mm-hmm. and then Fearless Foundation and Zeal, the Center for Entrepreneurship. So those six organizations have ponied up and we're able to then have those folks uh, make the make the event and the coffee the whole year possible. Well, it sounds exciting. Uh, 
yeah, we're fun, pumped. Have fun, have fun tomorrow. And uh, John Mayer, he is co-founder of the uh, One Million Cups in Sioux Falls. If you've got any interest in business, networking, entrepreneurship, it's always a good time. John, thanks for taking a few minutes for us today. Thanks, Patrick. You take care. Coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show, City Councilor Michelle Erpenbach will be with us, and we'll talk about what's next for her as she ends the, nears the end of her time on the City Council, and we'll hit some issues, of course. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 418 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And that, of course, is the is the rave ups. She comes around, which I played especially for Michelle Erpenbach, our next guest, city councilor. Actually, yeah, I just like the song. Well, <laughs> good. It, it was coincidental that it uh, has the word "she" in it. That's the only only uh, coincidence there. Um, Michelle, thanks for coming in today. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You now, I was just uh, checking a few facts before you came in. And I, I ran a clock across your, your bio on the uh, city council page there uh, on the city uh, website. And it's as impressive. Not that you weren't impressive before. Michelle Erpenbach began her career in public service with the city of Sioux Falls in 2000 as the coordinator for community gardens. I remember that. She served five years as a volunteer member of the Sioux Falls Parks and Recreation Board, leaving that position to following her election in 2010 to become central district seat on the city council. And then you've got a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, charter member of the Wagner Arboretum Society. That place yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Uh, overseeing development of the new Mary Jo Wagner Arboretum. Um, that, by the way, it is awesome out isn't there, it, isn't it? It's turning out so great. I know. And uh, they had like, um, for uh, Frosty Frolics, they had snowshoe events and stuff, and I wanted to get out there and I didn't make it. But in the summer, to go walking around there yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. So kudos to you for that. Uh, PTA president, uh, Girl Scout leader, Boy Scout committee member, oh, Sunday school teacher, Lincoln band parent. That had to occupy all your waking hours for way too long. That group takes cult status. Yeah, it does. So you have been very, very busy for a very long time. You're coming to the end of your city council term, your second one, mm -hmm. so you can't run again. What are you going to do with all your time? You know, more people ask me that, and it's one of those things where, because I did start out in gardening, I kind of look at my yard and go, yeah, this summer I'm going to work in my yard a little bit more than I have been. You know, yeah. I mean, just get to that point where you kind of sit back and go, okay, who am I again? And uh, figure out, you know, kind of what's next. I don't know. What am I going to be when I grow up? I've yeah. got to figure that out yet. So uh, not to bring your family into it, but your husband, Steve, is, uh, you guys are both SDSU grads, mm -hmm. and he's... I don't know what his title is, but he's Grand Poobah over at the SDSU Foundation. Yep. So you have to go to like a lot of cocktail parties and schmooze, right? Is that that's you know, your life? Some, yeah, I do some. <laughs> and and somebody was teasing us the other day because we were both wearing blue shirts, and I went, I think that's about the only color we own is blue <laughs> shirts. So, yeah. Well, Dan and I, uh, Dan Uber producer Dan Peters and I, both being uh, loyal coyotes, we're gonna we're gonna suspend all uh, yes. sort of yes. nastiness for the day. Well, there you go. Um, uh, yeah, so you but you uh, uh, get to travel in that job some, I suppose. If you had had the inkling in the time, you could tag along a little bit once in a while. Yep, yeah. yep. I've done a little bit. I tend to be um, as busy as busy as he is, and so yeah. often don't get to do that. But once in a while, I'll get you know go south with him with their running a trip down there or whatever. Yeah, well, shout out to Steve. I'm sure he's listening because yeah. yeah. you know he's sitting in an office somewhere. This feet up, feet up. Yeah, up on, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have been on the council for just about eight years uh been through a lot um how has that experience really changed your perspective on city and government because they really are you know on politics and government mm -hmm. they really are two different things um reflecting back on this period of public service what are your thoughts you know it's it's an interesting question i guess i'm getting to that point where it's it's i don't know 15 10, 15 weeks left, right? And mm -hmm. so you kind of get to that point where you think, what are the things I haven't done? What are the things I have done? And you do start to think, what's next? And so um, I'm spending a lot of time finding myself sort of reflecting on what does success mean, you know, and how do you define success in your life? And so um, one of the things that I think I've learned the most is about that idea. And, and I campaigned on the idea of public service, but I've really refined what public service means to me. You know, I often talk about my parents, both of them public school teachers in South Dakota. 
And so you know that in the you know 70s and 80s, that meant they didn't have two dimes to rub together, not that school teachers do now, but mm -hmm. they were always giving back. And it was the expectation that that's what our family was going to do. And so for you to list all that stuff that I've done, is mm -hmm. like, yeah, right, that's what everybody does. In my world, that's what everybody does. And so I came into it with that idea, but I've come to that, and it just sounds kind of trite when I think about it, but it really is for me about service. I mean, I've got that. I've, I told my husband about it the other day. I have a sign in my office right now that says, define what success means for you, and then get out there and do it. And for me, public service and making a difference in people's lives is a definition of, of success in my life. And so that's where I have to, that's where I look to is what are the differences I've made in people's lives over this period of time? And I, you know, look at sewer lines and potholes and all those kinds of things. But then I look at other things, too, that are a little deeper into more of where my psyche is, where my heart is, that I've really been able to do. And so I've really refined the kinds of things that matter to me and the kinds of things that I'm willing to spend time on. You know, if nothing else, that's what I've done is figured out what are those core things that are who I am. Mm -hmm. Well, and you don't have all the time in the world because you have a job. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week just like everybody else does. Yeah. But then try to, to balance all of this as well, you know. You so, got to yeah. really want to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's that's always my advice to those folks who are candidates for this sort of position is – you know, make sure your family's on board. Not that you have to have permission from your spouse, but you better make sure your family's on board because mm -hmm. they're in it as well as you are. And then better figure out how is it that you're, are you willing to make that kind of sacrifice in time and that kind of sacrifice in, I don't know, sanity. You yeah. know, sometimes it's how many plates can I keep spinning at the same time and yet another one's going to come along and you're going to spin that one as well. Now, um, has your, do you feel like your political philosophy has matured over that time because... Or do you, mm -hmm. do you feel pretty, uh, in terms of straight up politics, you know, because, y you know, you, you're affiliated with the old Democratic machine in South Dakota was very powerful for a very long time. Um, not, I'm not trying to pigeonhole you. It's a, it's a nonpartisan job. But I'm just curious, as you've gone through this whole process of governing, how that has affected your kind of world outlook on politics. You know, that's, that's interesting because... You know, and it's funny to think of, you know, the old, old Democratic machine and just for those folks that are keeping notes, you know, my husband worked for Tom Daschle for years and years yep. and years. And that, that did inform who I am and, and part of, of how I live my life. But long before that, I was a page, a high school page in the South Dakota Senate <laughs> listening to Mike O'Connor. Mm -hmm. And I listened to that man speak from the floor of the Senate. And I knew at that point that, you know, raised Republican in a Republican family, West River, South Dakota, by God, I was a Democrat, and I knew it then and there. And so those kinds of things, philosophical things, have not changed for me because that is the core of who I am. I am very liberal in terms of social philosophy and, and social justice. I really do, when I say the Pledge of Allegiance, I really do mean it when I say justice for all. That matters to me. Those kinds of things I haven't changed at all. But when it comes to absolutely maturing and how I see that and maturing in that philosophy of how a city council has to work together, I mean, we're a small town. Yeah, we, th we think we're a big city, but we're a small town. We're just eight people sitting up there doing the best that we possibly can in terms of serving our community, a community that we love and we've chosen to make our lives in. We have to work together. We have to figure out what's best for the community as a whole, and it does not matter one bit whether it's blue or red. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I go back to the LaGuardia quote all the time. I heard somebody else butcher it the other day, too. So I apologize to the memory of, of uh, Mayor LaGuardia. But it's that idea that potholes are not Democrats or Republicans. Electricity and water lines and all of those things, party doesn't matter. And that still is a core part of who I am. And it has, it has implications for all of us. We cannot sit in that position. We cannot go and vote based on whether I support, you know, leadership in one party or the other. It has to be about what's best for this community. Mm -hmm. And if anything, that's what's matured for me over the years. It's interesting. Uh, we're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters and continue our conversation with Michelle Erpenbach as she nears the end of her second term as city councilor from the Central District. We'll hit some issues and uh, find out what's next. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO.
Play turns it over to Buck Sexton and America Now. Weekdays at 5. Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-four on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we continue our conversation with City Councilor Michelle Erpenbach from the Central District of Sioux Falls. You know, the Central District, in my mind, is one of the most interesting districts. In, in when it all panned out, when all the lines were drawn and everything, you've got this one little core district right in the middle of town. It is. It's the coolest district. In it absolutely is the coolest district. And it covers so, because we're kind of the piece of the pie, right? We're every little bit of every income area, every mm-hmm. sort of interesting neighborhood. We've all got a piece of it in the core district, and we have downtown. Yeah, so. and there's a lot of people that uh, want to be on the council from the central district. Yeah. Do they, do they come and bend your ear? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm I'm glad that they do. And I did the same thing when I was first running. Is that I've got to find out what's going on and, yeah. and get a feel for what's happening? Yeah, those those folks that are really interested in this process really want to kind of pick all of our brains. You know, I think we're all having one-on-one meetings with candidates yeah. right now. It's a very interesting group, and I think it's going to get a little bigger yet. Don't don't you? I think yeah, there's already three or four people. There's in there. four people running in central, at least that have announced. I don't know yep. about petitions now. I haven't checked on that because they can take out their petitions now. Um, but there were four people that have announced that they're interested in running for yeah. for central district. Yeah, I know one other person who took out the petitions, but I don't know if they're going to come back. So we'll see. But right. that, but Thor Barden's in there. Zach DeBoer. Yep. Um, I'm going to forget. Kurt people. Sale. Kurt and right. um, Tom Hurlbert. Got it. Yeah, yep. Tom. Mm-hmm. Sexy Tom Hurlbert. Mm-hmm. That was. I was glad to see him get in there. I like Tom. Uh, uh, need to get him in the studio. Um, yeah, interesting guy. Hardworking. Mm-hmm. How come you didn't run for mayor? You and I talked about that before. That there was a there was a time when I was really being encouraged to do it, and there was um, my husband and I had talked about it very seriously, and I had started doing. There's lots of stuff you do a couple years ahead of time. You talk to people, and you because it it costs money whether whether you like it, it or not. A lot of money. It costs a lot of money to do that, and so so it was the process of figuring out how much do you think it's going to cost, and how would we raise it, and all that kind of stuff. And then, quite honestly, Patrick, a couple of things happened in my own life where I went, this is clearly telling, leading me down a different path. This mm-hmm. isn't where I should be headed for myself personally. And then the other piece of it is that going back to those two public school teachers that raised me, they're both still in with us, and I'm committed yeah. to uh, being there and being part of their lives as they age. And uh, my mom actually lives right here in town, and, and I'm there with her just about every day of the week for a little while. And so that piece of my life really became, it became just, yep. it gelled for me. I understood yeah. that I really need to be in that place. And, and you know, the feminists out there are saying, oh, my gosh, she took the girl's way out, yeah. you know. And, and I, I just would argue that that of all the feminists that I've ever known, my mom is one of the strongest. And she is one of the, she is the reason that I am who I am. And I'm not going to abandon promises that I've made to my family. And so that's, yeah. that's critical for you me. You can't get the time back. No, and I absolutely cannot. And you, you, you have to make a decision at some point. And you've yep. been in it for a long time. Um, let's talk about a couple of, of issues quick that are, have been before the council and have been very uh, contentious. One is the um, secret settlement on the event center siding and everything that's come with that. Were you surprised by the confidential settlement? I call it secret. Mm-hmm. The administration calls it confidential. Were you surprised by that? By the fact that it was secret? That it had been closed and after all that? Yeah. You know, honestly, I'm, uh, because I tend, to, I tend to lean on the side of trust. I'm going to trust you as far as you are, allow me to, you know, as long as you're trustworthy, I'm going to trust you. When you get to the point where if you say that I can't know these things and, and the public isn't going to know it and because of business reasons or whatever it is and that, it, that the number is going to be this and we're just going to take that money, put it in a bank, and we'll mm-hmm. be fine, that's fine. I trust you. That's, I, that, I believe what you told me because you're trustworthy. The piece that threw me was when the numbers weren't what I trusted them to be. And that's where it becomes a problem for me. And so, yeah, I think there's, there's a, 
there is such an undercurrent in our culture right now and in our politics right now and such an undercurrent of divisiveness that we don't trust each other. We don't just sit down and have conversations with each other without just screaming at each other and, and you know, taking everything absolutely far left or far right. There's no gray area in our conversations anymore. So that's what that became because of, of our culture right now. But I really think we're at a point where we need to have those conversations openly and honestly, and we really need to say, here's the reality of how this is going to go down. Yeah, you're the city council, and you're the ones who are going to know about this, but you need to know these are the details, and this is how it's going to work, so that, that I can make those decisions for myself as a city council member. And, and I'm not sure that we're at that point where we are drawing too many lines in the sand on both sides, whether administration or city council side, we're drawing too many lines in the sand. Let's just sit down and talk about it. Were you lied to? Yeah, lie is, a, lie is a strong word. Mm -hmm. But when you think about what the headlines were and what we were told, it's a million dollars, it's a million, it's a million, it's a million. The mayor still says it's a million. Didn't add up to a million to me. And I'm not a math whiz. I've always said you don't want me balancing your checkbook. But it did not add up to a million dollars for mm -hmm. me. And so that's where my struggle is yeah. with it. Uh, do you think the law needs should be changed? I think it's actually a bill... I think Greg Jamison is actually a sponsor of the bill in the legislature, former counselor, uh, former opponent of the mayor's, that would make those sort of confidential settlements uh, not available to city officials. They're not available, that, that it would make them available. No, it would, it would make, it would, I don't want to say make them illegal because that sounds right. more harsh than it is. It oh, right, right. Them. I get what you're saying. Yep, yeah, I yep. was twisting it in. No, I, <clears throat> part, again, because part of me knows that there are business interests that we have to protect. I mean, when it comes down to if there is truly proprietary information for a business that we're working with for whatever reason, that if it's truly proprietary and it could damage their business interests, I don't, I don't want to know that. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But it, when, when it comes down to you're telling me that we as citizens earned a million dollars out of this and we really didn't, then I'm really on the fence. I want to be as open and honest as possible. Well, you can't trust people. I mean, no, right? it doesn't matter who the players are right now. You can't trust people, and if no, if and that's what city, hurts. That's what hurts my heart. I want to trust everyone, Patrick. You know, I this want is politics, people, man. Right? Come on, I know, right? But, <laughs> and that's 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 where the struggle is, though, in the conversation. Why can we not get to that point where we just have a trustworthy conversation? And that's where my naivete gets in the way. And the only the only antidote for people is sunshine. Yep, exactly. And and, and the only way to make people behave. Mm -hmm. in the way that you want them to behave, is to pass a law. Yeah, and so you would support that? Yeah, at this point, yeah. Given your experience. Yeah. What about the RFP process? Do you want to open that up at all? Are you, are you satisfied with the way that, and, and I understand there, it would be, I'm worried that nobody is more susceptible to lobbying by powerful interests than a part-time city counselor. Right. Mm -hmm. I have said that I think counselors should just be off those panels, the, the evaluation panels, because that's, that is, potentially difficult for somebody. So if you're going to have a closed RFP process that goes through this evaluation process, why are city councilors on there? But what do you think of the process and should it be opened up more? Are there better ways to inform council or what have you? You know, a couple things on that. One, my concern is not necessarily city council because I can handle people calling me and sending me emails or whatever. It is those citizen experts that are brought into those. You know, if the RFP is about a construction project, then there are two or three citizen mm -hmm. experts that are on their construction design, whatever it, whatever their specialty is, they're in on the RFP. Those are the folks I'm concerned about. They're volunteers. They didn't run for election. They don't deserve to be beaten up in the public in the public forum, right? And so that's a big part of it for me. The other piece of it for me is that, you know, my college degree is in journalism. I totally understand the public meeting law. I also see things differently now because I have been on this side of, of the elected officials area. I look at some of that stuff, and some of it, I don't like necessarily, this can sound terrible, but I don't necessarily like going low bid, only low bid, mm -hmm. because that's the other option, is to keep it completely open. You go only low bid, and then what are you stuck with? Mm -hmm. You know, and so the RFP process, yeah, probably needs to change in some way. Whether it's, whether that means opening it up more, I don't know that yet, Patrick. I think it has to do more with how do we find that 
middle ground between low bid, only low bid, mm-hmm. and we're just picking, cherry picking who we Should want to Should counselors be able to look at everything? Because if one right. counselor's on the panel and one's not, well, you know, it's up to the one who's on the panel to tell the one who's not what's in there, right? Yeah. And that seems kind of weird, too. That is kind of weird. And no, I don't disagree with that. I, I don't see why we wouldn't in an, you know, in an executive session or something say, there you, go. you know, here's what, the, here's what the vote was. Here's the score sheets. I mean, because I've been mm-hmm. on a couple of them now. There's a whole massive yeah. scoring process, the point this and, you know, multiply by that. But it would that just and, give people a little more comfort right? level, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Even, you could have an in, in executive session briefing on Well, this. or even if... Why can't, why can't we look at the score sheets as the public? Yeah. I mean that, and again, there you go. let's, you know, let's again, have that conversation about what's an easier way to do this without just battling over it constantly. Yeah. Let's find out why, you know, what was the score for that one? Why didn't that one get elect, get voted in? You know, this yeah. one had a hundred percent score. That one only had 64%. And why score. did they get, right. So right. that would be one way to do it. I like that actually. You know, yeah. We have totally smoked our schedule here, but we're going to be right back and uh, continue our conversation with Michelle Erpenbach, city councilor from the Central District. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 449 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are continuing our conversation with city councilor Michelle Erpenbach of the Central District, who is nearing just weeks left now days left in her second term as a city councilor and she can't run again because we have term limits so she's nearing the end of her public service um the let's we we were talking off air just now about the uh we talked about the 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 siding settlement earlier i just i want to ask you one question about that we don't know who gave the order who okayed putting that siding on that building because it wasn't made for it. Everybody knew it. Somebody had to have made the decision. Um, should we know, or are you at this point? It does. It doesn't matter who made the decision. Yeah, you know. And, and, and to clarify, it it's the siding is made to be flat, mm-hmm. and um, we put it on a curved surface mm-hmm. without pre-curving it. Mm-hmm. They just put it up there and tacked it in, right? And, and with predictable results. Right. And so I preface this whenever I talk to anyone, and I'll say it on the radio now, because I've said it in private conversations a million times, I don't appreciate the aesthetic of the, of the Premier Center. Mm-hmm. I have thought it was an unattractive building from the first drawings, and I always hoped it would change. And it never did. Mm-hmm. The first drawings look exactly like that thing is out there now. Spaceship. Yeah. Oh, no. Grain, grain bin. Dude. <laughs> grain, it's a total oh, grain bin. Well, not with the ripples. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got yeah, you Right. Yeah. So, so that's part of it for me is that, and I look at it and go, yep, ugly, but ugly from day one. And so now it's, it's got crinkles in it. Makes it worse. Still ugly. Yeah. And so for me, it's partly like, is it being damaged inside? That was my main question. It doesn't In seem terms like of, it. no, it is not being damaged inside at all. There is a. a there's a some total... weird, some of the photos to. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, there's some, looks like rust. I can't tell if it's rust or not. And I, we're being told it's like the oil coating in the on the siding okay. itself is running off or whatever, you know, okay. right? It, sure. can be, it needs to be, it one. Yes, there's some sloppy work on there. You can see it in the photos. Yep. Absolutely, some of those fasteners need to be put in there again, and absolutely the building needs to be scrubbed. Well, we're going to have to look at it. Right? Well, All the time. Yep, and we're going to have to keep looking at it. And then in 30 years, that w- that was the other piece that I got out of this report, was in 30 years, we're going to have to redo the siding anyway. Mm-hmm. Whether, so, no matter what, yep. we have to redo it in 30 so years. Just that's make it last 30 years and... Yeah. We'll be fine. That's the life of the siding and but of the Tyvek underneath. Meanwhile, you're going to see it every time you go, and it's going to drive you crazy, right? No, because okay. I don't really care. Because <laughs> it's uh, ugly. Hey, a couple <laughs> other things. I mean, it's a great facility, but it's not attractive outside. I want to I want to <laughs> ask you about a couple quick things here uh, re- related to the event center. Keep the arena or tear it down for parking? Okay. Remember, I voted for downtown. Yep. 
I think that the event center should have been downtown. I still think it should have been downtown. So do I. We were sold on moving it out there and putting mm -hmm. it with the arena because that added to the flat floor space. Yep. And now you're going to tell me that you're going to tear down the extra flat floor space and put parking in there? Mm -hmm. No, thank you. No. You're going completely against what we talked about in the beginning. And I don't think they're going to do that, right? I, I have no idea. Yeah. But it, it's we're talking about the arena at this point. They're doing some auditing of it and trying to figure mm -hmm. out what, what does it need to be viable and whatever. Right. But yeah, there's no, at this point, there is nothing on the table saying they're going to tear it down and put parking right. in there. But. Uh, Sioux Falls Baseball Stadium, same thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I always, I've been with that whole group that thinks it should be torn down. Move it downtown. Yeah. I got an idea. Buy that, buy that old Sears building back from the state where they put right. all the offices and put them, because that's where the first Sioux Falls Baseball Stadium was. Oh, And I Babe Ruth that. played there. They uh, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig were on a barnstorming tour and they played right there. You are kidding. No, I'm oh, not see, kidding. Oh, see, that's perfect. Right next that's to Drake perfect. Springs. Yeah, yeah, that's there we and go. To me, Solved that's it. it. Downtown baseball. Let's do it. Done. <laughs> um, what? Before I, we're not even going to talk about the PPP, the public part. We don't have time for that. So the Hulkgren legacy deal. Um, what did you not get done that you wanted to? And or put a different way, what do you think the next really big problem is for the city of Sioux Falls? One of the things that, and this wasn't something I planned, but it was the thing that I learned about the most, was the quality of our neighborhoods based on code enforcement. And so the next big thing in my mind, and it will take a lot of work and a lot of gumption on the part of the council, is a what's called a housing court. And what it does is take all of those landlord-tenant mm -hmm. issues out of the court system. So you're behind on your rent or you've torn up your apartment and I'm, you know, your landlord and you owe me. I take you to housing court so that we actually resolve those issues quickly and outside the court system where it's super expensive. So it's, like the parking lot or the parking ticket judge. Yeah, very similar but on a housing level so yeah. that it, it then takes care of those three. The people that are most I'm most concerned about when it comes to code enforcement and neighborhood quality are those not only only the landlords but we're talking about the neighbors as well the people that live next door to the less than desirable rentals and the renters those folks who are the tenants those three groups need to be protected and a housing court is the way to do that it's being done all over the country Sioux Falls has to head that direction that's interesting that's very I, I hadn't thought about that but that's yep. a good one we didn't get to workforce development we didn't get to nonprofits we didn't get to the the legacy development thing um, Basically, I blew it. But thank you for coming in, <laughs> Michelle. That just means me. we'll have to try and do it one more time before you leave. You bet. Uh, we'll be right back with the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 458 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Radio Clash means the end of the day, people. Hey, coming up on Friday, February 9th, that's this Friday, Sioux Falls Jazz and Blues Society presents Tinsley Ellis. I've seen that guy. He's awesome. 8 p.m. at the Orpheum. Tickets for $37. SFJB.org for tickets. Hey, coming up tomorrow, Scott Arisman, local blogger and city hall watcher, the Boone Man, we hope, and Pat Powers from Dakota War College. See you all tomorrow. Information 1000 KSOO.